This has been a big news week in the photography world. I've done a lot of videos this week covering camera announcements from CES, which is going on in Las Vegas, but there were two other big announcements this week as well. And I did a call for Q&A on the Facebook page, and I had a lot of responses, and a lot of them geared around these two news items. And so that's what I want to start with today. The first one is, is that the news came out that DJI have acquired Hasselblad. So we'll talk about that. And then also Kodak has revived an E6 transparency film, which they haven't done since 2012 or so, they're reviving Ektachrome, which is pretty exciting news. So I want to talk about that, so let's dive in right now. Brian York Anderson writes, if you had to speculate, what do you think the longer-term reason for DJI to acquire Hasselblad would be? Okay, I want to start by stating that if it's not obvious, that I personally do not have any corporate level experience with mergers or acquisitions, and so what I'm going to say are simply my opinions on this. And I also think it's worth noting that this is not an official news item. This is a rumor that's broken on several of the big photography websites. It probably has happened, but there has been no official statement from Hasselblad or DJI on the matter. Hasselblad are a brand name, much like Polaroid, Voigtlander, Kodak, Nikon, Canon, all the others. And what you need to understand about brands is that sometimes they are bought and sold by other entities. And so I think, you know, a perfect example of this is Voigtlander, which was a revived brand uh, in the early 2000s that were doing rangefinders and they still make lenses today, but it's not the original Voigtlander company. It's a brand that's been purchased. Uh, we've seen this with Kodak and Polaroid. And truth be known that Hasselblad has been owned by several entities and are pretty disconnected from the original group, um, at least World War II-ish era. And so what has happened is DJI actually in 2015 were part of a group that owned a financial stake in what Hasselblad were doing. So I'm excited about this because I think DJI are very much of our time. They've been very successful and they figured out how to make a drone business work really well. And so what you could probably expect to see as a result of them acquiring Hasselblad it's probably one of several different scenarios. Either number one, everything goes on as usual and you don't notice a difference. Hasselblad is still Hasselblad, DJI are still DJI. Now DJI do have deep pockets and so they can provide funding for cameras and things that, and that is probably what is desirable about that merger. So that is one scenario. I think another scenario that's possible is now DJI have access to Hasselblad's imaging technology. And so maybe what we do is we see some of that brought over into what DJI are doing with drones and we get better image quality with aerial imaging. Um, not just that, but even the DJI Osmo and some of the other um, things that they're innovating with. And so that's a possibility as well. It may be a little further fetched, but maybe they change up Hasselblad's business model and they try to release cameras, whether they're medium format or not, I don't know, but that compete in the Sony, Canon, Nikon, Panasonic group. I really don't know and I wish I knew more about it, but I am excited about it because DJI have proven that they can be successful. Hasselblad is a very well-respected name uh, in a long history of professional imaging. I still have my old film Hasselblads that I love. I don't expect that they'll be making film cameras anytime soon, but um, anyway, I think it's interesting and I think that's probably what we can expect to see as a result. David Huang writes, what do you think of Kodak bringing back Ektachrome, and is this a sign that the market is growing enough that new or discontinued film types will be coming back if this continues? I think this is a really interesting news item as well, and as many of you know who have followed my show over the years, I am a big film nerd, I love analog photography, and I, of course I am fully supportive of any idea of bringing film back or doing new film or whatever that is, and Kodak, 
This is what's interesting. They have expressed over the last year, maybe a little more, um, a desire to bring this back and make it work. Now, there is a market for film. There are a lot of people who shoot film. It's had a revival over the years. But the big companies that historically have produced film have to learn how to do it in a new way to meet the new market. So in other words, back in the day, you'd have photography studios that would buy Ektachrome in bulk or Kodachrome in bulk or whatever it was, and they'd buy cases of it and they'd spend a lot of money. And so that's one way of producing it. Now it's people who are into film because of the look, they like the process of it, but they're not buying in bulk necessarily to fulfill the demand of a photography studio. What they're doing is they're buying it to experiment. So it's one-offs and things like that, which is not bad, but I think Kodak are really serious about trying to find a way to make this work. The thing that's weird about this to me is that Kodak last year at CES, so a year ago, and I did a video on this, they announced this idea to do an 8mm movie camera. And they had a system in place where you would be able to ship your film. You would actually buy it as a package, so for whatever the price was, they would send you your film in the mail, you would shoot it on your camera, they were going to sell cameras as well. And then what you would do is, already included in the prices, you would send it back for processing. Kodak would scan it and you would get a digital file of your movie as well. And so I think Kodak realized that they need something, whether it's that process or whatever that is, to bridge that. Because if you've ever shot 8mm film, um, it's considerably more involved to produce movies like that and considerably more expensive when you're actually burning film. It just is not very cost efficient. And so they need some way to make it to where people are encouraged to do that. It makes the process very easy. The other thing is when you're competing in the digital landscape, and I know that those of you who shoot film are very hardcore about that, and I think that's wonderful. But there is, with digital imaging, an immediacy, um, a it's instant, um, you know, especially with phones and Instagram. And so you're on that level of speed these days and it's very different. Now that doesn't mean that people don't like to take their time and shoot film for that reason. I, I do certainly, but you can expect to sell in mass that way because that's not what the vast photography audience does. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. I think it's a little, I don't know, I don't want to use the word weird, but I think it's interesting that Kodak is just bringing back Ektar. Why didn't they introduce a couple different E6s? It seems like they're just kind of feeling out and testing the waters. And the other thing that concerns me about it and makes me think that they're feeling out and testing the waters is that they announced that 8mm camera a year ago and they've just announced Ektachrome, but it won't be available until Q4 of 2017. So that's almost a year away still. And that's normally not what people do at the Consumer Electronics Show. When you have a camera company or a TV company or whatever technology you're selling, usually it's the announcement followed by pre-orders and within a month things are shipping. And so Kodak is really taking their time with this. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I love Kodak, I love film, I think it's exciting, but my fingers are crossed, we'll see when it comes out, I suppose. The next three questions deal more with creative thinking and how to deal with burnout and that side of things, but they're going to segue into something that I wanna talk about at the end of this video, so let's dive in. What's the best way to keep a creative flow within your daily routine? Sometimes it's hard to be continuously creative day in and day out. This is an excellent question, and it's something that, I mean, the reality of it is that creativity requires a lot of energy. I had a really interesting conversation with my sister a few years ago. She's a graphic designer, and we were talking about the idea of being creative, especially if you're working in the creative business. And it is something that is very demanding emotionally, sometimes physically, and it can be draining. And it's easy for people to burn out, particularly if you're doing it for a living. And so 
there's a couple things that I've found um, that I think you need to have in place to fuel that. These work for me, but um, one is inspiration. And sometimes when you get busy with deadlines and you're working a lot, you're not spending time reading, watching movies, listening to music, looking at other photography, all the things that inspire us and excite us to come back at it the next day full force. There's other things too that I think play into it too. One, your physical health is very important. And I keep bringing this back to sometimes when you have deadlines and you're, for me, that's usually when I tend to start feeling the most burnout is when you're in heavy production mode and you're working very hard at something and trying to recharge and keep that going is very difficult. So this probably goes without saying, but making sure you're eating right, making sure you're getting a little bit of exercise sometimes, making sure you're sleeping at night. Those are things that are really important because if you, um, I can't remember who said this, but it's one of my favorite quotes. You have to take care of the asset. The asset is you, and uh, this is a football term, so they think of the asset as the football. You gotta protect the asset. In creative terms, your mind is the asset and your physical being are the asset, and those are the most important things. And so sometimes I think it's a matter of that. Don't be afraid to take a break. Look at your life. Are you getting enough rest? Are you eating right? Are you getting exercise? And are you taking the time to find things that are inspiring? Go to a museum once in a while. Go hear a concert. Go do things that inspire you and reinvigorate you, even if they're not photography related, and we're gonna come back to that in a second. I take pictures for a living, but that takes away most of my creative drive and depletes my motivation batteries. This results mostly in no private pictures taken. The only time I take pictures is when I got a little spare time and I can take pictures with my point and shoot, which is a no-brainer compared to the work gear that I use to focus on composition and everything that's important to the picture. What would you recommend to do so that I can get back to taking pictures more often? I can completely sympathize with this because I've been there several times in my life and I'm there now to a large extent. I mean, what I do for a living is I make videos about photography. So my week is spent either filming or researching or planning or spending time with photography. And sometimes even for myself, finding the drive to get out on the weekends and motivate myself to do it more, it, it can be challenging. Um, it's not for me these days because I'm very inspired by photography and it's probably enough of a separation in actual practice versus talking about it to where I'm not completely burnt out. But I have been there. When I started this show, I wanted to make these photography videos and I worked at a museum and I did that all day. And the last thing I wanted to do after filming artist interviews and doing media production for them was to come home at night and then try to do a show about photography. It's really difficult sometimes. I think the answer um, that you're looking for Personally, this is my opinion, but I think sometimes it's a matter of pulling back and trying to figure out what the takeaway here is. First of all, if you shoot photography for a living, you are one of a very lucky few. And I think that's something to be very proud of and to be grateful for. Not a lot of people get to do that. Having said that, I know that not all photography jobs are just ultimate wall-to-wall -wall creativity all the time. And you can't take concepts that we talk about in photo assignments necessarily and apply, apply them to that. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. And if that's the case, I don't think it's trying to figure out how you can cram further on the weekends. I think it's a case of looking at your career and if you're spending time with a camera that doesn't feel creative and I may be going out on a limb saying this I'm, I'm making assumptions based on your question but maybe it's a matter of pulling back and looking at to what end is all of this going towards so if you have a job that's not letting you be creative or experimental or try new things or improve yourself during those nine to five hours 
then maybe it's a plan of like, where over the next few years are you going to take that and what are you going to do with that? And maybe that means working somewhere else. Maybe that means changing the climate where you are to be more experimental or more creative. I don't know what the answer is specifically to your situation, but I think that's what it is. Uh, not a lot of people get to do that all week during the week, and it is the weekend. And I don't think you need to do it more necessarily, but it's a matter of finding the whole and all of that as yourself as a creative and as a photographer. Where do you draw inspiration from other than the work of other photographers? This is an extremely important question and I'm really glad it was asked. And it's something that I've talked about for a long time on this show now. And even last week when I did the Q&A episode, I ended up jumping in the car and taking you guys over to see the Cause exhibition. That was important because it's important to get outside of photography sometimes if you want to really grow creatively. And that's not a slam against photography. I am enormously passionate about photography, but it has a way of closing itself off from the rest of the world sometimes. And I think more so than other mediums. I think everybody has this issue sometimes and whatever you've chosen to do, you're serious about it, you are gung-ho, you're trying to do something with it and so you stay within that zone too much. And you don't allow things to influence you from outside and I think you're missing out on something that's much larger. For me personally, uh, music is enormously inspiring. The reason I think that is because music is largely abstract. And let me explain what I mean. When you look at an image, when you're looking at photography, and usually there's something in the image, almost always, that you can recognize. So whether that's an elephant or a dog or a landscape or a person or an interior or a car or whatever that is, you know what that is. You see that object and you identify with it. Music is very different. Music is an abstract language. Um, even if you're dealing with music that has something with lyrics in it, you could even argue that language is somewhat abstract and that it's going to be highly interpreted. And so I think that's a really important influence on me. And I love everything. I listen to classical music. I listen to jazz. I listen to avant-garde music. I listen to electronic music. I listen to rock music. I do it all. And it's a really important part of my routine during the week to keep myself refreshed and charged. I think other things that are really important to me is I love to go to museums. I love to see art. I love to see things that are not photography because they're going to give me ideas and show me things that maybe a photographer wouldn't think of. And somehow, maybe I don't know what that is at first, but over time, something might click and I might find a way to bring that into photography. And that's really important reading, watching movies, um, Netflix, all these things. Are, I find inspiration in everything and I think that's really important. I think to be holistically creative, for lack of a better term, I know that's kind of cheesy, but it really is important. This leads me to what I want to talk about before I end this video here. Um, I've had people ask a lot of these kinds of questions lately and getting outside of photography is a little wild for a photography channel to do, but typically I don't do videos on the weekends. And one thing that I want to try, because I want to hold myself a little bit more accountable to experiencing other things, exactly like the question you asked, is I want to start on Sundays filming something where we just draw creative inspiration and, and maybe it doesn't include photography at all and it includes things like music and includes museum visits and includes whatever that is. I'd be interested to hear your opinion on this and if you think this is something that might be helpful or interesting or useful. Um, I'm not going to start it this weekend because I kind of need to think it through a little more, but I'm thinking the next weekend I'll probably start it up and this is something that I'm really interested in doing and I think it would bring a new 
thing to this show that we haven't had a lot of. Uh, the rest of the shows will all be photography based, but but finding something that reaches outside that a little bit. And I actually got that idea when I did the show and 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 went to cause on that. And I was really worried that that video would not do very well because it was non-photography related. And I was very surprised that most people were really interested in that and inspired by it. So let me know what you guys think in the comments. If you enjoyed this video, please remember to like it, share it, and subscribe to The Art of Photography so you'll always be up to date on all the latest and greatest. This has kind of been a rambling Q&A. Hope it was useful. I'll catch you guys in the next video. Until then, later.